You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge. Now, Outdoor Edge is a knife company. We all know that. They offer a complete line of fixed blade knives, replaceable blade knives, and game processing kits, right? So any blade you need to break down an animal, these guys have it. Now, the cool thing about their replaceable blades is let's say you are in the middle of breaking down an animal and the blade goes dull. The only thing you have to do is push a button the blade pops out, you put a new blade in, it locks in tight, and you're back to breaking down that animal. You get it cooled down, you get it back to the truck faster, and you get more meat in the long run. So if you want to find out more information about all the blades, fixed, replaceable, and game processing kits that Outdoor Edge makes, visit their website, OutdoorEdge.com, and if you want to save 30% on your purchase, enter the discount code NATION30, that's N-A-T-I-O-N 30, and that's OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 90. Today on the show, we are joined by Mr. Troy Fowler, a.k.a. Ranch Ferry. You may know him from YouTube. We're going to talk about heavy arrow builds, why it's important, and some of the things that you might want to know before you start building your adult arrows. This is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm Parker McDonald, and I am your host. And today we are talking to the one and only, the Joe Exotic of the hunting world, as he has been called. That is Mr. Troy Fowler, also known as Ranch Ferry. It's a very exciting episode. We're going to talk about heavy arrow builds, um, why it's important, some of the things that you might want to know before you start your heavy arrow build. So, um, I'm really looking forward to this. As always, guys, make sure you check out screegear.com and uh, you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, all lowercase, all one word for 10% off your order at screegear.com. Um, also, check out tetherednation.com. This weekend, we've got a teach and train event right here in Coleman, Alabama. It's a free event. It's for people who want to learn more about saddle hunting. I'm going to have all kinds of tethered gear. Pretty much everything that tethered makes, I'm going to have for you to be able to demo and purchase at this event. So um, it's going to be at the Coleman Archery Park. If you're around this area, if you're in the Alabama, if you live in Alabama or surrounding states, it's a free event. I do need you to register online. You can go to the Facebook page. Uh, it's a Tethered Teach and Train um, event on, on Facebook. It'll say Birmingham, but it's actually Coleman, Alabama. And uh, you can take a link there that will take you to Eventbrite where you can register for the event. It's free, but... I need to know for food and all that stuff. So, hope to see you guys there. It's going to be a really good time. I was actually at the Nashville one uh, this past weekend, and it was a blast. There's a ton of dudes there. Uh, met a lot of cool people. If you were there, it was awesome to meet you. And, um, man, everybody had such a great time. Um, so, make sure you come out to that. It's going to be in Coleman, Alabama, August 15th, from 10 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Lunch will be provided, and it is free. We're going to draw for a bunch of prizes. Uh, there's going to be drawings for 
um, some saddles, some platforms, some accessories, and just all kinds of cool stuff. So it's going to be a really good time. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Mr. Troy Fowler, a.k.a. Ranch Ferry. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. We are extremely excited today yes. because uh, I have got one of my newly uh, newly found heroes, really, is that's what he is. Easy now. That's the best way to put it. Uh, maybe who you make friends with. Maybe, maybe my newfound uh, spirit animal is what, what this guy would you be. Got Uncle Ted and the Ranch Fairy. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Great. So, Thank you. I have, I have heard him described as the Joe Exotic of the hunting world. Oh, my gosh. It's perfect. Uh, Mr. Ranchberry, <laughs> Troy Fowler. How you doing, buddy? Great, man. I have a Joe Exotic face mask right now. I bought one. It's, it's actually his mouth and his mustache and I truck around with that. I'm going to get a mullet. I'm going to buy a blonde mullet and I'm just going to go in just with go mask for it. and do it. All I got to do at this point is just... Uh, is just blonde it out. Blonde it, man. Just get it bleached and I'm I'm good. Pull so, the trigger. <laughs> just take risks, you know? That's what you got to do sometimes. <laughs> um, so, Troy, dude, uh, do, do you like the name Ranch Ferry or Troy, Troy better? What's what's your favorite? Uh, you can just Should, either one. Just call Troy while we're doing this. It's fine. Ranch Ferry will come out for <laughs> So, Mr. Ranch Ferry. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but anyways, dude, we are extremely excited that you're here today. Yes. Um, for anybody who doesn't know who the Ranch Ferry is, Mr. Troy Fowler. Could you just explain that, who you are, how you got your name, where you come from, and what you do? All right. I'm, uh, I live in Texas, and um, we have a family ranch, and I am the ranch manager. And there's a huge, the hu- a huge family that owns it, so my wife uh, basically runs the whole thing, and then I'm the guy who digs holes and all that. And there's uh, she has nine siblings, and I have 38 nieces and nephews, so... It's no small undertaking to fix toilets and make dinner reservations and have a refrigerator and that runs and the, you know you can't have the mule broken. I mean, God forbid, Uncle Troy, you got to fix that. Yeah. So, ten years ago, I actually started calling myself the ranch ranger to the family because they would call with these just there's bees in one of the blinds. We'll get some spray and spray the bee. I mean, it's just like yeah, right. So. As I started evolving, what happened to me was a lot of failure. And so to the audience, you need to reset your freaking brain to listen to me today. Okay. (laughs) I feel like I'm watching a real live Ranch Ferry video. About anything but maximum penetration in all situations with your arrow system. So if you do not accept that mindset, you're going to get off the rails. So put it in your head. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about fast. I don't care about anything. Accuracy and penetration. That's all I'm about. So hold on because I'm about to blow your damn mind. Um, <laughs> so when I started failing, I, 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 sh- I killed a deer. He's right there. Okay. He's a 155 inch deer. I killed him legit on low fence place here. He's in the book. I'm not going to book another animal. And I lost any interest in shooting a deer ever again until I found public land hunting. So I'm going to go do that in North Dakota later, blah, blah, blah. We won't get on the side grounds there. But I have all these nieces and nephews, so I have cameras, and I help them kill them. So I'm in it. I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to shoot another deer for some reason. I don't know what happened to me. I caught a nine-and-a-half-foot tiger shark 
in uh, 96 and quit shark fishing. And so that was off the beach and kind of crazy. So fast forward, I, st I fell in love with hunting great, big, mature for our place, mature boar hogs. And you don't just have, they don't just parade out every day. The little dumb zoomers that are 80 pounds are everywhere, but the big mature ones are really smart. It's like hunting a mature whitetail and you get, I get five shots a year in a big one. That's probably four or five years old. They've, they've evaded a lot of things because everybody shoots at pigs. There's no idiot with a truck gun that doesn't just blast at them just to <laughs> shoot at them and think he's tough. And I started failing. I, I was, I was a probably 40% failure rate on the big ones. So we're talking about a mature animal hunched up on the shoulders over 200 pounds. And I kept getting this crap about they're tough and they're bomb proof and they got big hair and all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. And I found out I'm a respiratory therapist. That's BS. Lungs and hearts work the exact same. There's no tough. We've got guys in the Ashby Foundation. We have a, we have a video of a guy shooting a full pass through on an elephant. So there's no tough. Okay. And I got kind of pissed off and the only book of literature in 2014 that I could find was Ashby, Dr. Ed Ashby's study. Go to the Ashby Foundation website after you get over this. I'm a member of the Ashby Foundation. And he was preaching, forget about the speed, super extreme structural integrity. It can't explode at impact or the edges can't dull, perfect arrow flight, high forward of center arrows, and sharp. Those are the top four things. And I said, fine. And I wandered off on my own and I ended up with a 670 grain arrow off of my compound with a 315 grain single bevel. And I started torching them. Like right nowadays, I'm like, whatever, 760 grain, pull back old Pamela, you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> Before that, it was, God, I hope this works. And I had a lot of arrows that were seven to nine inches in, which should be in the pump thoracic cavity because the thoracic cavities are very narrow. And I never could figure it out. It was always shoot them and it's a long line. Or you stumble up on one that's dead. Now we shoot them and they go 60 yards, maybe 100. Mm -hmm. If you hit them in the guts, right? If you, if you make a mistake, fine. That's a bad hit. If you hit them where you're supposed to, they're done. You can just walk over where they ran and walk another 40 yards and lay right there. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. And I do it with my nephews. They don't have any money. <laughs> so I give them 650 grand arrows. They don't have any money. And they're doing it. My friends are doing it. And that's why I started the Ranch Fairy channel. The reason why I used the name Ranch Fairy is I was looking for a name. And on Google, you're either incredibly um, popular and so you get a lot of views or you're unique. It's just, it's just an algorithm. I typed Ranch Ferry into Google and nothing came up. I bought it and said, I'm going. And nobody forgets it either, right? I mean, Troy Fowler, I'd get lost. So that's the, that's where I came from. That's cool. That's cool. And so uh, I, I found out about you, I don't know, a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, from a buddy of mine named Clayton, who's a close friend of the show, Clayton Bond. Yep. And uh, he was like, he's like, have you ever heard of the guy Ranch Ferry? And I was like, no. But that sounds like somebody I'd like. I'm originally from, I'm originally from I'm okay, Texas. Champ. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like it sounds like a Texas name. Sure enough, you are a Texas guy. 
and mm-hmm. uh, Texas is very close to my heart. It's the best, uh, best. It's really the best country in the world. I think Texas it is. is the best country in the world. Um, and there's Whataburger in Texas, which is also a big deal. Uh, yep. So, so <laughs> I found out about you, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, and I'd been so frustrated with the way that my bow was shooting fixed blades. So I already knew at that point that I wanted to switch to fixed blade broadheads and get away from uh, flappers, as you call them, or mechanicals. Flappers. And, you know, for me, I'd always shot them. You know, you can throw them on with your – they're going to hit with your field tips. Good to go. But I had a bad bad experience. And um, like a lot of people – actually, I had a lot of bad experiences. This is actually (laughs) just one of the ones that I found and knew exactly what the arrow did at that point and it was that it it deflected off of a rib and there was an entry hole people who are watching the video will be able to understand what i'm saying if you're listening to it you know just pay attention so it was an entry hole and then right underneath it was the exit and it but it was a perfect shot right in the soft part right behind the shoulder where you're supposed to where you're supposed to you know pass through it's going to be perfect you get like Two inches of penetration. Yeah, I don't know how I found the yeah. deer, first off. I mean, uh, no. and so I had that experience, and I was like, you know, I'm on a fixed blade. So I went to fixed blade, and what do a lot of people figure out once they start shooting fixed blade? Oh, crap. Their, their arrows are flying sideways. They just yeah, don't know. I mean, I'm like, you know, busting nope. sideways. I missed so many deer that year um, because, because for that reason, because I just wasn't even hitting even close. And so – um, then I started, you know, this off season is when I really started doing it and, um, and I'm, and I'm happy with it. You know, I'm, I'm glad I found what you're doing. I know a lot of people listen to this, know exactly who you are and they're doing the same thing. But, um, I, how long ago was that when you started doing that? I've shot fixed blades most of my life. The only reason I shot the rage and shot that wildebeest with the rage is because the uh, the guide said this is the greatest world hit on the planet this is 2008 nine, and it was when the rage first came out and when you're shooting a water hole shot right africa it's a hip line deal you're 20 yards you're shooting at a freaking vw everything's huge over there impala are huge compared to a deer and then a kudu i killed a kudu and a wildebeest and some blesbuck and some other stuff shooting at a kudu shooting at an elk so I killed Kudu with a with a Magnus Stinger, but um, the I, I wandered off about 2014 to the high FOC hand sharpened adult broadheads, and it was a massive learning curve. Mostly arrow tuning has been the thing that I have in the last three years. My arrow it takes me 30 minutes to build an arrow. Mm-hmm. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm a little faster than that now, but if you include fletch time and jacking around and getting it right, it's a 30 minute deal. It takes an eternity. And then when they break, you're just like, ah, yeah. and I break a ton of them. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I aim for a pig and I say, I'm breaking your other shoulder. Okay. So that arrow's done. Yeah. Walk. Yeah. And about probably about 50% of them anchor in the offside shoulder and they run off with their butt kind of going sideways and you got them. So for lethality, remember, I'm a, I'm a penetration and, and kill guy. I, I'm not all about the flash and trying to match my wingdinger to my make sure the color of my back bar vibrating thing is my peep sight and all that. I couldn't mm. – I have duct tape on my, on my stabilizer because it broke in the Gila hunting elk, and I taped it then, and I just never turned it back. So <laughs> easy. But boat arrow tuning is probably 
the biggest aha moment. And I've got the wizard in the background, one of my subscribers I've become great friends with. He's in Louisiana. The son of a gun knows everything. And he's the one who showed me how to knock tune, insert tune, play with the weights, get the arrow bare shaft perfect. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden everything flies. I can shoot the inch and a half wide, uh, iron wheel, 315 grain tough head. The arrow's got to be right. You can't just put them on one arrow. You got to spine up for the heavier stuff. But my bow, I've got five different combinations that'll fly bare shaft perfect. It takes time. Yeah. If you're not willing to put out the effort, fine. Go shoot the flappers and bounce off. Fine. I, I prefer you don't do that. But I can't stop people. So yeah. That's the biggest. That's the biggest aha thing. Yeah. I shoot one inch. I shoot two inch tall. One inch, uh, one inch tall, uh, half inch tall, stop, droid. One half inch tall, two inch long feathers. Tiny. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't need steering. Yeah. If you think you're steering your arrow with the fletching, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and that's what I'm, I've, I've learned that. I mean, through this whole process. I'm, I'm interested to know, I've heard you say a lot. And if somebody who's listening to this or watching has never heard anything from the Ranch Ferry, uh, but you say a lot that you don't know much about the bow, you don't have a bow press. Yeah, yeah right. I don't know much about bows. So I, I don't have a press. I don't know how to flip the wing dingers and twist the cables. I do not know anything about that. So my, my question to you is, is how are you doing all of this stuff <clears throat> and not working on your own bow? Because that seems to be the most important thing that I'm finding about my setup is, is you know, just, I mean, little things within the components of the bow itself and not necessarily the arrow. Can you kind of explain to me how you're doing that? I've never sure. heard you talk about it before, so I'm interested to know. I'll go through the, you know, order of operation. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. So the first greatest thing that most people are doing is you're shooting a banana. If you listen to your shop guys and you listen to the industry standard, you're shooting a banana. Anybody shooting 60 pounds should not be shooting anything under a 300 spine arrow mm -hmm. with 125 or more up front. Okay. A 340 will, will tune with a 75 grain point. But if you're going to shoot an adult broadhead that's 125 grains or greater, you got to go to a 300 spine or stiffer. Okay. That's the first problem is I get a lot of people who email me and say, dude, I got a 340. And I loaded it up with 250 grains. It's tearing eight inches to the right. I'm like, yeah, no doubt. It's coming off like, it's like a piece of eight foot PVC you're holding in the middle when you hit the trigger. And it's coming off sideways. So I'll just do my, why it takes 30 minutes. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I do is I use JB Weld on all my inserts. I take a Q-tip, I put alcohol on it. I stick it in the end of the arrow and clean all the dust out. I wipe down every individual insert with alcohol so that there's nothing on them as much as I can get. I don't touch them with my fingers. I use JB Weld because it's really slow set and you can work with it. You don't want a fast set epoxy or something that's just going to bind up and then you're screwed right there. It also, it takes, a, it takes 12 hours, 14 hours to cure. So you can't shoot it right off the bat. I take the insert. I got a broadhead that's straight, doesn't matter what it is. I stick the in, I put the JB weld on, I put the screw, you know, put it in, spin it in, wipe it off, put the broadhead on, and I spin it on either a spinner or my table. I, I usually just spin it on a table 
and I adjust the insert and rotate the insert until that broadhead's spinning straight. The connection between the end of your arrow and the ass end of that insert is not necessarily plumb when they were not manufactured together. You can find plumb by rotating your inserts as you insert them. Don't just, you go to the shop and they put them in, they go, bam, whoo, bam, whoo, bam, whoo. Yeah, great. When's the last time you changed the blade on that saw? It could be cutting like this. Yeah. They make arrow squaring tools that grind off the end. The easiest one to get is Luminox Fast Tool. I don't find that I have to use it very often. That one, that's okay. the G5, the G5. Yeah, or that, right the G5, sure. And then, the, so then that sets up, and it takes, I'm basically working on it the next day, mm -hmm. usually. I'm doing a set right now for one of the hunting public guys. So my next step is, I've, if, if I've got a brand new setup, I've got a 300 spline and a 250. Okay, and I did the same thing with the insert. I set the 300 up and I set the 250 up, let them dry. And then I put, I shove the knock in the back and I orient the label up. If it's got a label on both sides, I mark it with a Sharpie. So I know where up where I started. I get about 10 yards on my target and I shoot it. And if it goes like this, I rotate the knock. You won't believe what will happen rotating the knock. Yeah. It's freaking witchcraft. Yes, it is. So for those who are listening, who are now mind blown and have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> it's fine. I didn't either. So carbon arrows have a seam. And if you've never built a custom fishing rod, you do the same thing with them. But anyway, the stiff, the stiffest side is the seam side. And then progressively it's stiffer or softer. And then there's a super soft side. You're trying to find where your bow wants to shoot that individual arrow as you turn the knock. Okay. It's like shooting bullets through a rifle and then it eats a hundred. My, I got a 30 out six. It eats 165 Corlocks like candy and 180s. It shoots. Okay. Yeah. It's just like that. Yeah. You just keep turning the knock. Don't assume anything. I don't think you're, I don't know if you're finding a very, I haven't, don't have a spine tester. So I don't know if that spot is the same. If, I would assume it is mm -hmm. right. But I don't think you need, I don't, for all three of us on here, if you shoot my bow, I bet you, I bet you the knock change is different. The way you hold it, the way you push it, there's these little subtle things going on when you release the bow and you're fine tuning that shaft's flex point to you. It's super custom there. When you find that thing that shoots, you keep rotating the knock and all of a sudden it'll go, I mean, it'll be whoop, and you say, good, done. And I mark on the shaft and the knock where that spot is. And go to the next one. So, so let me ask you this. In, you talk about the arrow build itself. Um, and we'll, we'll keep going more into that, basically working our way through the arrow. Yep. When you are, uh, when you're, say, somebody transitioning to this, style of uh, adult arrows is what is what you call them yeah right somebody is shooting 400 spine in the flapper and they want right. to jump yep right right okay. do you okay I've... so that process is a little different you do the insert tune you do two different spines you get the spot you get you e email me <laughs> i'll tell you what's fine to start with because it won't work on a really soft arrow yeah the arrow just turns like crazy yeah 
you get a random assortment of different weight field points. So you do your insert tune, you get two different spawns of arrows, and you find, a, you know, Ethic sells them and a few vendors. Three Rivers has a, a kit that goes from 200 to 315. Get a stock, get two spines that are above what you got, get a stock insert, and then the heavier points simulate a weighted insert if you want to shoot 125 grain point and an extra heavier head. I stand back and best thing to do would be the paper tin. So if you if you want to do this from the get-go, you go on YouTube, find a paper tuning video. There's millions of them out doing it. I mean, it's already done better than I can do it. So there's no reason for me to do it. And you get back and shoot through paper and keep changing points. Okay? This is before you knock tune. All of a sudden, there'll be a couple that you'll get tears like this, and you'll get that. It'll just progressively show you, once again, we're finding spine what your bow wants to eat at your draw length, at your draw weight. Uh, some, listen, somebody shooting 25 inch draw at 70 pounds is not a guy shooting 31 inches at 70 pounds. It's not the same. Yeah. Everybody thinks that's 300 spine. No, a guy shooting a 25 inch long 300 spine arrow shooting like 170 spine. That thing's like a freaking rail. Yeah. And then a guy shooting 31 inches is bending it pretty good. And he needs to spine up. He could need a 200 spine arrow. So you shoot through the field points and all of a sudden there'll be two or three and sometimes multiple combinations. I've got four or five people who sent me everything shoots straight. I'm like, okay, um, is that a problem? <laughs> no. So um, after that, when your tear goes from say this or this down to let's say quarter size, one inch, then knock in that arrow. Okay. All right. That's and it can take forever. I mean, it can take a, if you get yeah. frustrated, just sit down, don't pop Zannies. Don't start drinking, beat the dog, just set it down. You can go back, do something else, go fix the dryer. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, come back to it. Troy, that, that was one thing. Just catapult. Yeah. Yep. I think it was um, one, one of the things that I was struggling with in, because um, that's what I did. Did the whole thing just like that. But I know a lot of people yep. are struggling with, because they are, they are wanting the bullet hole right off the bat in the sense of absolutely completely perfect. And what you're saying is if you're doing it like that, if a guy's going from a 400, you know, spine to the jump off to get, they, they get on serious, get, get the 250, you know, wrench free kit and all that stuff. You're, you're saying just get what, whichever one paper tunes closest to a bullet hole run with that. Yeah. Improve. Okay. Right. Improve. Listen, there's a lot of tweaky bows out there. This is one reason why I'm not a bow dork. Right. I would be, I would be, I would, I couldn't, my VXR 2754, <laughs> well, let me get out the chart here and 6,000 bows <laughs> and try to figure out which ones are torque sensitive. I'm not doing it. There's a lot of you idiots out there, sorry, who bought a 28 inch bow and you're pulling 30 inches. Bro, it's torquey. I can't do nothing for you. You, you listen too much to too many people. I shoot a 670 inch long bow. Somehow I managed to get an arrow into stuff. Yeah. 70 inches long. If the, if you guys with long draw lengths need to be a, go get a prime 35 or something. Yeah. Get a slower bow that's long. Yeah. God, I'm tired. Yeah. I get lots of poor guys are frustrated as hell. The tears are all over the place. They send me pictures and it's left, right, up, down, all over the place. I say, what you shoot? Well, I have a, I have a 29 inch draw length. I'm shooting a 28 inch axle axle bow. I said, well, I can't do anything for you. You, you, your thousand bucks is burned. 
So yeah. you need to just get it as good as you can. Yeah. There's a lot of torque sensitive bows out there. You need to be looking at looking at that when you buy them. I got Elite sent me the Cure. I'm not really brand specific, but that's the awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just nice and smooth, not super fast, but when you not, I choose five different arrow setups. Mm -hmm. Wow. Bear shaft. It's just, and then it's got some stuff on it. You have to look it up. I'm not really trying to promote cure, but that particular bow has been a dream to shoot. Yeah. And then, you know, I've got a couple others, but it's been great. And the guys, it seems like the guys who have 30, you know, longer bows are, are succeeding easier. But back to your point, if you go from a four inch tear down to inside of an inch, don't pull your hair out. You've improved a ton. You a ton. And then when you get there, you can you bump your rest towards the knock. Okay. Okay. So you bump it. You... this way, you're actually moving the. You're not going to move the knock. You're moving the point. Right. So people who are you listening towards the knock. If you're listening to this and you're not watching it, basically, if you've got a tear that is tearing the knock to the to the right, then you move the rest towards the right. The knock side, right? Right. And I mean a little bit. Yeah, not much. A lot. A little goes a long ways. Yeah. It's got to stay around center shot because if you don't, if you you can take a bow and I've done it and push the rest way to one side and have it pointing off like that, and your sights are here. And you can zero at 20, but it keeps going that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. So at 30, 40, 50, if you had a site that went like this, you'd be fine. <laughs> they don't make those, I think. So um, it's a huge, back to where I started, when you get an arrow that flies bare shaft, awesome, much improved, fletchings don't have to work. Mm -hmm. Accuracy goes way up. Fixed blades fly. You penetrate things because that arrow is flying plum, plum. I don't care about how fast it's going. My bow shooting 760 grains since 235 feet per second. And it's a 340 IBO bow. One of my bows. I have an Expedition Excursion 6. It's five-inch bracite, and it's a rocket. Mm -hmm. It's an absolute screamer, except I shoot 760 grain arrows on it. Dude, they don't stop. Yeah. The arrows don't stop. Yeah. They hit whatever. They don't stop. I've cut the humerus off two pigs shooting intentionally quartering in with the tough head and it goes chut. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes right in the dirt. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So Troy also it's all about the mass. Yeah. One one of the things that I found and I, I literally it's funny that we're having this conversation because I just came from the archery range prior to doing this podcast and um yep. and we, me and Parker both made the jump to uh, heavier arrows, um, and and I'm, I'm 29.70, and so I'm shooting a 250 spine, but I jumped up to a 300 grain broadhead, um, yep. and so with 100 grain insert, so I'm I'm looking at right around that seven seven yeah, to seven twenty. Yeah, you're shooting a Cape Buffalo arrow at deer. That's yeah. awesome. But what's what's been the struggle is and you go to the archery range or you're out shooting there with your buddies and they all have you no know, the flappers and they're like yep. pow pow and then i get mine out and it's like yep. boom you know cuz it's it's heavier <laughs> and um and they all look at me like real weird how do you um how did you get over that that mental side of it in the sense of oh my gosh like 
this is because I can see my arrow now, you know, and yeah, right. with my old setup, it was like there, you know. So how someone getting into this that's been taught speed their whole entire life, how how did you get past that mental block there? Well, I opened up this conversation by saying I was failing. Yeah. So I'm pretty practical and I don't give a damn. I don't have that many friends. So I try to wander. I, can, I wander. I've been, a, I'm a natural loner and I do whatever the hell I think. I just, that's how I'm wired. And if it's not working, I'm going to find out what works. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I just don't care. So the peer pressure side is actually a very tough thing. If you're not running with the herd, everybody's going to say crap to you. Right. I don't give a damn. I don't care. When I was, I was 35, 40% on big, big pigs. It got to the point I was probably like, dumb. I was like, I know enough about the pulmonary system that it's no different. I had a cadaver for six months with needles in it for a test. And they had, they'd take the heart out and turn it backwards. You had to orient the heart first and find out which artery you're looking at. Mm-hmm. I have a pretty practical knowledge of how stuff dies yeah. to a level that most people do not. 95% of bow hunters do not have any practical application in the death of things and how putting a hole in them kills them. Yeah. I do. And I wasn't killing them. And I got pissed off. I was like, well, I might as well just get a gun. I mean, my freaking 30 out six, you cork them in the head. They don't run. <laughs> I've got a 44 mag lever gun that is fantastic. Get about 60 yards from them. The sound of it hitting their head is just awesome because it just goes pop. <laughs> it's awesome. And that's high FOC right there, 240 grand. They're going about 900 feet per second. But um, you just got to get close. But I, I just, I just didn't, I wanted to be a good bow hunter. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't willing to sacrifice. And then, you know, y'all said, you know, I missed a bunch of deer. You ever get frustrated with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's where you got to draw the line. Secondarily, if our sport's going to survive, you better damn well start killing some deer. Yeah. Because I think we don't want people to publish what the actual effectiveness rate of archery is. Yeah. Well, that's what, that? yeah, that's what, that's what kind of got me going down this road a long time ago was in the sense of I was set up, but a small buck walked out and I, and I found, and, and I've told Parker this, one of the reasons I made the switch to heavy arrows is I found that my miss is in that shoulder that that's, that's my miss. And, and so, so I, you're, you're like, this is what I call a bump. A miss means you hit them and they don't, yeah, they don't break. Yeah, I hit them. I was shooting a flapper yeah, arrow. I got you. I and, got you. Um, um, by the way, they jumped the string a yeah. lot. Yeah. And, but, but both of them, all my misses seem to be forward right in that shoulder. And so for some reason I thought just, just buy another broadhead that was the same weight and put it on, I, you know, it's insanity. And so well, I did it. I changed broadheads 15 times. Yeah. I had a horrible. Yeah, and so I'm right there with you, bud. And you can't shoot a pig back. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. They're a gut. They're a giant gut box with a pump with lungs about the size of both your hands. The, a big pig's lungs are that big. Yeah, yeah. You can't shoot them in the back. Yeah, there's nothing going to kill them. Yeah. It's all intestines and a stomach the size of a 55 gallon drum. Right. They're trash cans right. running around. And um, one of the other points that I was really impressed on that I hadn't thought of. I, I saw you on another podcast or, or video um, was one was the um, if if you want to shoot an animal perfectly broadside and you can hit the same spot every time, go ahead. But I know for like Parker and I that hunt public land, 
we don't always get to trim the lanes and have all that stuff. And, and so we, um, you know, there, there's been a lot where we've hit back and, um, you know, or that duck, just like you said. And, um, and, and so what you're, what you're saying, explaining is you're taking the shots you got. Yes. 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 Taking the shots that, that I got. Cause back in the day it was, I had to wait. It was broadside had to, because it was just going to bounce off that front shoulder. And, and, and that's well listen to me okay so in your defense you're being a very practical person right so you guys that are passing shots that are questionable i applaud you because mm-hmm. you have you don't have the right tool for a job right that's good that's good <laughs> i'm not gonna knock you for taking i've told the hunting public guys when they were down here hunting with me i said i aaron had a bull a big six by six bullet 12 yards four or five years ago i don't know how long ago he showed me the clip and he drew and he said, in my head, it was, it was, came to a call. It's quartering to a little bit. It wasn't terrible. He's pretty broad side. And he said, I just remember all the bad. He said, literally, it was in my head. He was a videographer for some, uh, one of the companies before he started the hunting public. And he said, I've got 150 kills on video. And I, he said, I literally drew and said, I can't shoot. That's not, I, I cannot, I don't know it's going to work. And he let down. That's a great decision. Mm-hmm. It's a te- it's a it's terrible that you work that hard. And you guys are public guys. I don't right. know anything about public. I mean, I'm going to North Dakota to go public hunting. What the hell? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen there, right? <laughs> but I talked extensively to the hunting public guys since last August, and I was with them at ATA. That y'all don't get. You're swinging out of a tree. Yeah. The deer aren't dead. They don't stand around. Like we hunted bait, hunt baited deer here. Yeah. So you can wait. Right? Yeah. So you need something that you can do what you need done. Mm-hmm. And there's not there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. So that's and that's there's nowhere else to go. You can either be very practical yeah. on your shots selection, which I applaud, or you can try this Martian stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. But being practical on your shot selection. In in my case, which is what brought me to this place mm-hmm. in the first in the first place, I waited for a great shot broadside, a little bit quartered away. And you still hit the ground, and I st- <laughs> and I still <laughs> the wound channel is literally that yeah that long. I mean, is is so that's uh, that's that's where it that's where it starts to get wonky. Mm-hmm. And and I've had that a lot. Yeah yeah yeah. No, I've been there, dude. I've done it. Yeah, I bounced, I bounced a schwacker off of a pig that weighed two two twenty. I've got it on one of my old, one of my first videos, and I shot him right where he had to be shot, seventeen yards, with a four four hundred spine arrow and a schwacker, mm-hmm. and about it hit him and stopped, and he hit it, he, as he ran by, he hit the deer feeder leg and it flew out of him, and that was the end of it, and I was already tinkering with heavy stuff, and I built. A 670 grain arrow with the grizzly, I, I, as as close to what Ashby said as I could, and I killed him two weeks later, 60 yard tracking. I didn't have to track him. I shot him. It buried to the fletch. I looked out the window of the pit of the tent line and I saw dust. And I said, "Nah, maybe he's over there." <laughs> yeah. I walked over there. He was dead. <laughs> so let's back up to shooting at the range. When you're plunking your monsters in there, what's your accuracy been like? You guys aren't newbies at this. Mm-hmm. Has your has your arrow consistency? Can you feel like you can make a mistake? You don't have to have the you know your peep in the right spot. You got to flex your ass just right and have a duck sitting on yeah, the moon. Yeah, that's the wind can't be blowing. God forbid, right? Yeah, that that's how I feel. Is that it's it it's actually given me more confidence 
in my yep. shot and my process of, of, of shooting. And plus, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny cause I like turn it loose and there's no sound to it cause all the energy yep. gets forced to the arrow and flinging yep. it forward. And so that's something that all my buddies have said is like, dude, yours is really, really quiet. I'm like, yeah. And theirs is louder. Um, now theirs is faster, but then we get up to the target and I'm consistently finding that my heavier setup is a good eight to 12 inches deeper than yep. than theirs even with field tips i mean everything's the same we're both shooting field tips so it's not like they they have their expandable on they it's field tips and i'm finding eight to yep. 12 inches deeper um and then they're looking at it going man that's 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 deep i'm like yeah you know um you should try it they're like ah oh, no i and a lot of it for them is just the convenience factor they like to be able to go to the shop buy the 400 grains put the 100 grain rage on and then go shoot then, well, we're, we're going to, you know, we'll get there, right? Yeah. There's a ton of people who think I'm crazy and that's fine. But like I said, this all goes back to failure for mm -hmm. me. It's a total failure story. Yeah. And there's another, another part of that mm -hmm. that contributes to failure. And I'll get to that in a minute, but what let's say on topic here, one of the things I am not a form guy. I don't sit around getting my reps, taking pictures of myself and trying to make sure my elbows at a 42 degree <laughs> angle. I don't have time. I don't shoot a peep sight. I shoot the EZB sight, which is the most practical bow hunting sight on the planet. And I shoot a kisser button and I'm rarely in the same spot, but my arrows behave. Mm -hmm. It's like they compensate for my idiot, you know, for the Fowler idiot, rather than the other way around. I remember having them really light, fast arrows and wondering why is that one always, why is there always one that's a four inch flyer? Mm -hmm. Why? what's wrong with me? I get, I see people post their thing. I put in my hundred reps today. Got my ass flexed just right. You know, my lip was good. I'm thinking, wow, that's really a lot of effort. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I shoot about 10 arrows a week. I don't shoot. I just don't shoot. I, I spend, I'll, I bet you I get, um, I'm going to, I'm tuning up this set of arrows. I'll probably shoot them 35 times getting not tuning done. Mm -hmm. I spend all my time getting the arrow perfect, perfect. And then I don't have to be perfect. Right. It's just a totally different way for everybody's listening. Listen, just hang on. You'll be fine. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm off the rails. I get that, but I am all about your effectiveness. And I want to also broach something um, on shot placement and the shots you take. I am not, not, not saying intentionally take irresponsible shots. Right. You still want a quartering away deer that's looking away from you. Mm -hmm. And you just pound him and aim it and try to break the offside leg. Yeah. If they go, if they leave like a three-wheeler, they don't go very far. Yeah. If that right leg, if the opposite side leg goes up like this, they're done. Because you've gone right through the pulmonary system. You have to, to hit that bone, right? With your setup with the tough edge, you'll shatter that other side and it'll probably come go through. Yeah, but when you get those quartering two shots and then you decide to shoot, which there's a lot of people going to bounce flappers off a deer because they got five days to hunt and that's the shot they got and they lost them. Mm -hmm. You can tight get in there tight and rock them. Yeah, it may only penetrate 14 inches, but we've got Rob Nielsen at the Ashby Foundation. His wife shoots a 43 pound bow at 24 inches. She thinks deer are hilarious and pigs are a pain. Like she just like, yeah, whatever. I just kill those. 
she shot she shot five or six nil guy nil guy are six or seven hundred pounds much tougher their skin's like three quarters of an inch thick they're a, a species of antelope that the king ranch brought in down here and they've gone wild down there and they suck up 300 wind mags like they're bb gun she's had two pass-throughs <laughs> on bull nail guy she i mean you're talking about shooting through an elk yeah and she thinks it's normal she's a school teacher and she's about five feet tall and she's just like the kind of lady who brings you cookies hey troy how are you doing and then you look at the wall and you're like 150 inch deer 160 inch deer six nail guy there's her sable yeah stone cold killer <laughs> she's a killer yeah that's awesome i want to talk about something um because this is where i've all this is where i found the most confusion for me mm-hmm. uh okay. doing this and i think a lot of people probably are going to find themselves in this situation, I am absolutely immersed in making sure my gear is right. I spend a lot of time on it. I'm about yep. as hardcore as hardcore people get about yep. making sure my stuff's right, my setup's perfect. I have, I devote a lot of time to this. Let's talk about the guy who works 85 hours a week, and he is he loves to bow hunt. He bow hunts the week. He's a weekend warrior. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really get time. Has a family that he has to spend time with. It. I have. I'm finding out that it takes a long time to do this process, right? Mm-hmm. The process is yep. difficult, and it is hard. Yep. And, and, and the learning curve at the beginning is very steep. It You're is lost. steep. Let's talk yep. about this. I want to. I want because I want to. I want to know what you think. Is it better for a guy and more ethical? <laughs> let's say for a guy who is that guy who just seriously doesn't have the time to devote to making sure everything is flying perfectly bare shaft. Um, is it wor- is it more beneficial for him to just go ahead and throw on a fixed blade that's going to fly wonky and, but it's going to be more lethal or to throw on a mechanical that's going to fly true, a, more true. Is there a lesser evil to you? No inaccuracy is a problem. So if you're if your fixed blade is going to shoot a six inch circle, you're that's terrible because the deer is going to move and that's going to be a ten inch circle. Um, no, I, I can't. I'm, so the guy, the person who's in that situation, needs to spend some time. Yeah. Sorry, it's, you don't have to go through fifteen hours of doing this, but it doesn't take a lot to get ten dollars worth of field points from Three Rivers and get a stiffer spine arrow shipped to your house while you're at work and shoot it through paper. You can do it fletched. You can do it, you could do it. The fast button is go ahead and at least fletch paper to them yeah. and make sure which they're, those are all over YouTube. But I can't, I, I can't practically allow for that anymore. Yeah. Because of my failure rate. Listen, I was, when I was failing, I, I go to the shop, put me together some 340s or slap some old <clears throat> inserts in there. We're going to get them. I was that guy, man. It's not like I haven't. Yeah. I've, I've shot everything. And I'm, it just never, it doesn't even have to be 650. You can, if you just get to 525 mm-hmm. and fletch paper tune and then shoot fixed blades and make sure they're shooting straight. I've got a video on my um, channel called uh, Broadhead Tuning in the Magic L. Mm-hmm. That is a very practical way. You just put a piece of, two pieces of duct tape on a board and you shoot or a piece of cardboard and you shoot at them and make sure your broadhead is going to stay on track. That's the fast button. It's not the super perfect button, but it's way more perfect 
I just think for the sport and for your own frustration, if you work that much and you get off for a week, what's more frustrating? Losing a deer or, you know, starting this process in April <laughs> and getting ready. That's the biggest thing I see. And I'm getting hammered right now. I get 150 messages a day. Easy. It's always, it's about six different answers. So it's not real hard to answer. Doesn't take me a lot of time, but I've been- <laughs> It's only six. Just copy and paste. There's only paste. six things that's gonna solve the world. There's only six. Right. So yeah, it's a six or eight. It's not, it's not, it's either the bow is a piece of garbage and it's, I had a guy who had a bow problem and he went in and the shim had fallen out. Mm -hmm. Really? You think your bow's not shooting straight? Maybe that's it. He said, yep. these arrows don't fly. And he came back and said, well, didn't, one of the shims fell out. So, okay. He said, shoot right now. I'm like, yeah, baby! <laughs> Cam was sort of leaning like that. He didn't even know it, right? So um, I think I'm getting hammered right now with all the people winding up for elk and all that stuff. And it's moderately terrifying, yeah. to be real honest. Especially, um, I'm quite concerned, and if you're one of my followers, if you've made the jump to hand-sharpenable broadheads and you can't sharpen them, you shouldn't be shooting them. Ever. Never. Go get an iron wheel, go get a Magnus, go get a good out of the box, pretty sharp head, great sharp head, whatever it is. If you can't sharpen a tough head or a grizzly stick samurai, if you can't and you go out there with a half sharp broadhead, you just need to stop. Just don't go. It's not ethical. Mm -hmm. You're just going to be pissed. And then you're going to get on the message board and you're going to bash the broadheads companies or me. You're not going to tell us you went out there with a broadhead you shot seven times into a target. Nobody's going to admit to that. Yeah. Yeah. Fair warning. Yeah. Right. I'm very serious about that. Back to the pigs. I'm a, you, Dr. Ashby is a friend of mine. He lives about four hours from me. We've become great friends. Um, and he's, he always says, man, if we could get the ones we lost, we could learn so much but you never get them. Mm -hmm. They're gone. Right. Not that anyone ever loses one or shoots a bad shot. I get that. Everybody's awesome. But occasionally maybe somebody has a bad experience. Okay. Let's go with that. You want to flush everybody out. I think, and I've talked to him a lot about this. I think it's broadhead damage. Feral hogs are covered in mud. Bull elk are covered in mud. And a lot of wallowing animals are covered in mud. They're thick. They've got really close together bones, a pig does. You, are, you will not miss the rib cage with anything on a pig. Mm -hmm. You will not slip between the ribs. And a rage is going to hit too. I've got pictures on my channel. I put a rage up against it. And next time you're eating a rack of ribs, put your finger on the meat. That's a thousand pound pig. It's, it's no more than that wide. Yeah. So... What I think, the reason why I think I was losing so many pigs in the beginning was I did not know how to sharpen broadheads. That's why I'm such a, I'm passionate about that. I really was. They really weren't that sharp. And I think the cheaper or less robust blade thicknesses, anything under 0.45 or 5 was getting destroyed on impact. I think the blades were compromised to the level they couldn't do anything. Remember, I'm a respiratory therapist and had a human cadaver. Mm -hmm. I don't think they were sharp enough to do damage inside. Everybody thinks if you just get it in there, they're going to die. No, 
those organs and all the arteries and stuff can move around a blunt objects like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your blades look like that after they've penetrated the thorax, it's not going to do anything. I think that was a problem. I bet that's half of them. Mm-hmm. I bet it is because I got, there's a lot of them. I got 12 inches, but I got half an arrow or so. And I got to shoot a 28 inch arrow. So I got up to half an arrow into them. So that's on the other side of the thoracic wall, even a big one. And they just run like, <laughs> whatever. See ya, bro. And they're gone. Yeah. 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 It, it, I, I've always appreciated. I've always appreciated your ability to take random objects that are whatever sitting next to you and just be like, yeah, right. just like this, like you did it on purpose. Which um, I'll never be able to look at a you know thing of ribs yeah. the same ever again. But 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 let's talk about this. So I mean, really, if you if you use it as like a, it, it would be the same as sticking a spoon in spaghetti, right? Like. It's not, yes, it's, it's, it's going to go a, around that's a it. very practical, take a butter knife, stick it through spaghetti. Yeah. yeah. But then you take a sharp knife and do it and it's going to cut those noodles. Right. So you're talking about little, small, um, what would you call them? Uh, you, you would know like the, the, so here's what, here's, here, I'll get more practical than that. Within the pulmonary system, everybody thinks about cutting the heart off, you know, cut the aortas, the big parts, shoot them in the heart. Right. That's going to work. I heart shot a bunch of them with God knows what dull broadhead and it works yeah. because that is so tight. It's going to do something to it and they can't make it. Got it. Okay. They go into shock and there's some other stuff going on there, but within the pulmonary system and within the arterial system, there are, it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. One of my videos, I've got a piece of PVC and I've got some smaller stuff and then I've got monofilament to represent the way everything progressively goes down. If you're not cut. So in that example, I got, three quarter inch PVC. I've got some, you know, quarter inch tubing, and then I've got monofilament. If you're only cutting the three quarter inch PVC, it's probably going to kill them. But the damage you do when you cut all of it is incredible. It's exponential to like the millionth power. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're talking about millions of arteries and airways that are just microscopic. It gets down to the blood cell level. And in there, and that also, uh, if I'm if I'm hearing it correctly, it seems like so it's easy to follow a 400 yard blood trail that's an actual blood trail that's pouring blood. Um, it's harder to find a deer that's 400 yards away that you don't really have any reference to. So whenever you do that, that's also creating more potential potential to be able. If it does, let's say it does run a long ways. Or let's say it lays down in a creek and trying to stop bleeding or whatever. This is creating more damage to potentially be able to find this deer. The best example of that is let's say you get a broadside deer and you shoot him an inch and a half behind the crease vertically or dead center. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's going to kill, that's going to kill everything Mm -hmm. on earth. Right. Everything. Right. But it is there's the the airways and the, everything is are much smaller back there. It's just a fact. I don't give a damn what everybody thinks. This you can. It's just math. Mm-hmm. It's huge up front and gets smaller in the back. That mm-hmm. it, that's it. Yeah. So that hit is a bunch of really small stuff. 
if you don't cut that really small stuff, it's a long night and a bad blood trail. You call and get on the message boards. Well, my broad heads didn't work. And I hit this one perfect with 250 yards. Yep. It was dull. And it went through some smaller airways. Plenty of damage. It'll kill them. Okay. But if the broadhead's dull, stuff rides over the top of it. Mm -hmm. And then secondarily, one of the pros who apparently has no idea what the hell he's talking about, said he prefers to have the arrow broadhead left in the animal because it's going to shake around. Okay. First of all, this person shoots mechanical broadheads. Guess what the blades do when it's shaking around? They shake around. How many switchblade knives do you play with? No, let's take a jackknife. You know how a lockback knife mm -hmm. is safer than just a regular old grandpa's knife that opened up and you kind of get in the bind and wants to shut and cut your fingers mm -hmm. off? Mm -hmm. a, a mechanical broadhead in there, the blades are moving. They're not cutting. Whatever's pushing on them is pushing back. Yeah. A fixed blade in that particular case would be better because if it shakes, it's fixed and it theoretically would cut things. But the blades on a mechanical broadhead, like the Rage is a great example, it's so popular. When you deploy them and push back on them, they're flapping all over the place. Mm -hmm. So whatever's pushing on them is pushing back. Mm -hmm. It's not cutting more. There's going to be some cases where it is, but to rely on that... <laughs> You're not smart <laughs> if you think you're relying on that. Your yeah. best shot is completely blow through them and stick it in the dirt. You want nothing in the animal. You don't want them to think about it. You don't want them looking back saying, what the hell was that? You want it through. Mm -hmm. Zip. And I promise you, if you will get to 525 and start shooting accurate fixed plays, you're going to see deer that don't react. You watch mechanical broadhead videos, 90% of them, those deer leave like their ass is on fire. Oh, yeah. They know they've yeah. been punched. The deployment is like a, it's a punch. You can hear it pop. Yeah. You're a tough head. You're not going to hear it. Right. You're going to hear You'll be like, I've had multiple people say, I think I missed. And then they said the deer ran about 50 yards and fell over. And I said, well, I guess I didn't miss. Yeah. Because they went from a mechanical to a very efficient system. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're contributing to, so you're relying on, if you want to have those deer run like hell, because that's what you've seen, you're relying on, you've made a perfect hit. Mm -hmm. We're all not that good. Right. The deer move. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things. You don't get warm up shots. You're freezing asshole. In this, you got to piss and here he comes. Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of like that swinging out of a tree. Yeah. You're relying on the Rage commercial marketing stuff. I'm being a little hard on them, but they only show the blood spraying out the side, spraying out both sides. I got that. If I sell them the thing, I'd do it too. Mm -hmm. What if you make a bad hit? Yeah. Do you want that deer to run 40 yards and stand there and look around like, what the hell, if he takes two minutes to die? Or do you want him running like his ass is on fire? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's totally practical. Yeah. And I'm not saying shooting a fixed blade and a heavy arrow is going to fix that every time. But I've shot through multiple animals that they just don't run the same. It's weird. You need to kill about 10 animals before you start to see it. But they just aren't, they're really not booking it. Jake, Jake shot that pig. The first pig we killed was with the hunting pup when they were down here was Jake. And he shot about an 85 pounder. And 
he shot right through it with a, he had a 700 grand arrow or something with a Maasai on the front that I had sharpened that was absolutely terrifying sharp. And the pig just, it ran pretty fast at first and then it kind of just started bounding and went 40 yards, right? Yeah. But it didn't tail down, butt down, dust, and I mean, tearing through the woods. That's not good for blood trails ever. Yeah, yeah. It's a big change. It's probably the coolest thing I've uh, experienced is I think my blood, I think my tracking jobs are shorter because they, they run and stop. I know I'm killing them faster because my broadheads are upgraded. I shoot 0.07 thick broadheads that are scary sharp because I've spent a lot of time breaking broadheads, learning to sharpen. No, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I've ruined a ton. Mm -hmm. But I think they don't, we find a lot of pigs. I intentionally try to set my speeders up where they've got about 40 yards or 30 yards of open before they hit the brush. Mm -hmm. It just helps you get a line of sight on them, right? Rather than they'll just be gone. Yeah. We find a lot of them 30 yards, you know, 25 or 30 yards in the brush. It's like they hit the brush and they go, oh, okay, and they slow down. Yeah. I don't know if they died in 10 seconds or in a minute. Yeah. Because I usually give them a half an hour. Yeah. But we find most of them just walking over there and finding them. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. what would you... I'll put my son on the blood trail. He's like a, he's like a bird dog. <laughs> Get on the blood trail. I'll just walk off. And if you if you think about it, like, uh, you got me thinking in terms of household products. Um, but if you think about taking a, a water hose and that's running and just going, whoop, and just slinging it, those drops are going to be a lot further apart. You think right. about taking a water hose and just taking your arm and slowly going, and you're going to see a solid. I mean, it's the same concept. The faster they're running, the further apart those the blood trail is going to be. Um, and more I've seen that's a great – that just popped into my head. So what, what I'm starting to see more often is exactly what you say. The first 30 yards is weird. There's usually blood at impact for some reason. I hadn't figured that one out. It's not like spilled out. There's just some blood at impact. I think it may just come off the arrow or something, you know, on a complete pass through shot. And then the blood trail is kind of crappy for usually about 30 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there, not mm-hmm. pouring. And then all of a sudden you start this, it goes from slinging the blood to they're walking. Yeah. Yeah. And it just gets, <laughs> you're like, well, okay, just take your shoes off and start walking, close your eyes. And whatever. That was one of the knocks that, was always told to me about fixed blades because I mean, and it's crazy because growing up, my my dad shot the Easton aluminum triple X seventy fives that looked like telephone poles and and muzzies. He shot six hundred grains. He didn't even know it. He didn't even know it. And 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 but then when the mechanicals all all came around, uh, it was like, oh, these blood trails are amazing. And that that was one of the knocks was the blood wasn't it wasn't like what you see on TV, which we all know that's not what it really is in an actual hunting situation most of the time. But, but Troy, for somebody who is just getting into the um, heavy arrow uh, sharpening, all that stuff, you have a great sharpening video on your channel. So I encourage everybody, guys, go over and look at that. Cause I mean, no, it, go to the, it's on a uh, hunting public uh, channel. Hunting public, I think it's okay. on my live videos. You, I'll just, you, you won't find it on my channel. Go to uh, the hunting public and you'll see me with two broad heads. Yeah. Something like that. Right. I don't know what it is. But for, for somebody just getting into it, uh, I know for, a lot of us, the the um, the the knives that you carry around in your pocket aren't sharp because we're just intimidated by sharpening something yep. for some reason. Absolutely, a hundred years ago, you had to shave to shave. You had to sharpen your yeah. your freaking blades. I mean, you, there was no disposable. That's why so I everybody knew I sharpened. 
Just want him to that's shit. why he. That's why he looks the way he does. Yeah, he still right. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, But like, saw it off. He, he uses a rage, and he yeah, just... yeah, he uses a rage. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yes, it's dull. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty practical on that side as mm-hmm. well. And in that video, I say this: if you don't want to sharpen broadheads, that's why I'm I'm so high on the Magnus. Mm-hmm. It's a good price point. He's got a lifetime warranty. I've killed the hell out of everything. And when I've got people come into my camp, my nephew's friends with their just arrows and stuff, they shoot the stinger. Yeah. There's, I don't, there's no debate. They bring mechanicals that you're done. Not your place. You're shooting the stinger. <laughs> Even if you're shooting at four feet to the right, you're not shooting that damn thing. So um, we work on that. But um, I, I, I'm a big proponent of replaceable blade heads that are high quality. So if you don't want to sharpen Magnus, Iron Will, those kind of heads, those two heads right there, depends on what you want to spend. Mm-hmm. Iron Wheels are a hundred bucks for three and God Bill does a great job on those things. They are sharp, solid. Don't email me and ask about the wide. Stop talking to me about that. Solid. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I don't have any knock on the, on the wide and I bit one. I ricocheted one off of two bones on impact with a small pig and came out of its neck with the wide and I bent the wide. The, well, it boomeranged around a the corner. There's no broadhead going to survive that except for a tough head or Ashby or something, a really mm-hmm. serious head. It is what it is. I'm not knocking the wide because I bent it. The solid's the head to shoot. So I'm going to buy an iron wheel, hit the solid, tell Bill I sent you. All's well. <laughs> so... But, the max of that kind of thing, you can replace the blades mm-hmm. and you're good. Yeah. That's, that's completely practical. So I want to know, I want to know that the, the most common question that you get from guys getting started with this, what is the most common thing? And then I'm going to ask you to just answer it right here, because if guys, if this inspires somebody to go do this and there's a good chance that they're going to come mm-hmm. up with this same the, the same issue, that's the purpose of this podcast is to um, be a place where they can find this out. What is the most common thing that you hear guys ask? We already co- we already covered it, but we didn't get this direct with it. Okay. When, when you're tuning your arrows, improve. I get these people who are like engineers, and they're freaking out because there's six bullet holes, and one of them is about this wide. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, dude, you're hanging on to the bow, stupid. It's freehand. Chill out man Mm -hmm. so the most common thing is we talked about this earlier you start to bear shaft tune or flesh tune improve a lot Mm -hmm. and then you get down to small tears then jump and shoot a broadhead and see if it's good that's the most common thing is people just get obsessed over they think it's got to be either a bullet hole or failed Mm -hmm. you didn't fail you took your tear from here to here you, you don't realize how much better that arrow is going to fly. And if they're all doing the same thing and they're tearing this wide, they're going to be fine because they're all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But you get it way out here, you get down to half an inch, you're good. Fletch one, put a broadhead on it, go see what it does. If it flies crazy, you got to go back. Mm-hmm. And then probably the second thing is people are just terrified to spine up. <laughs> it's terrifying, apparently. She's trying to do the spine arrow. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the shops. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. I'm getting, I get bashed by the shops. <laughs> you do. Don't go in a shop and say ranch fair. You will get punched. You, do, you, 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 you actually go in with a Joe Exotic mullet and the Joe Exotic face mask and you're good. Hey, I, I actually walked into idiot. a shop with my heavy setup. I mean, I had my 300 grain fill <laughs> points did? on. Oh, I did. I, I walked in. Um, I, I got it all kind of tuned up, but I just want to make sure everything was square, was right, was good. <laughs> So I walk in with my heavy arrow set up, and I show it to him. And he looks at me, and he goes, you've been watching that guy on YouTube, haven't you? I go, Ranch Ferry? He goes, yeah, him. I'm like, yeah, I have. And he goes, you don't need any of this killed deer. I go, you're, you're right, but I'm going to have it, you know, and like this is what I want to shoot. And we started shooting, and when I shot, and I went through his target at the, at the, the shop and almost hit the back wall, he yeah. was like, hmm. Man, you yeah. know, but you're right. You're not that's like another that. comment that's been funny. Um, as people go into shops, they say, what are you hunting? <laughs> well, wait a second. Back up on that, right? They're admitting right. that that arrow is way overkill for a deer. Mm -hmm. If speed's everything, then shoot a 400-grand arrow at an elephant, jackass. <laughs> that's what I want to say to them. Yeah, I mean it doesn't work, but you can take an elephant arrow and kill a deer. So, so why not get the one that can work? Why not everything? shoot something that's like an anvil? Mm -hmm. Well, I gotta say, I gotta say, I'm really super excited this year about using my full metal jackets with my tough heads. And oh, full my... metal jacket! Don't say that word. <laughs> the worst arrow on the earth. Oh, don't, don't... And that's you know what full metal jackets are good for. They're good for tomato sticks, and for and for stirring the trash. And if you're making some kind of whiskey in the backwoods, that's good. It's just the right mass for stirring. It's really good. That's the worst arrow on the earth. There's so tell me that. So so here here's the deal. When whenever somebody's somebody's looking and watching your videos, they go in the shop, and because this is going to be a lot of guys. A lot of guys are going to go into the shop. They don't have somebody. And they're going right now. And they're they, going. They didn't hear your ninety day video, you know, or sixty day video. No. They're going right now. So let's shoot. Let's shoot a heavy arrow. They go into the shop. I need a heavy arrow. Well, freaking full metal jacket. There it is. That's the only one a lot of shops are selling that are, you know, that are there that are heavy that they can get right then in a lot of way in a lot of shops. So tell Agreed. us why that's a bad idea. Well, the hit system is the worst system for impact on the planet of Earth. Explain that. Explain the hit system. So the hit system is a hidden insert inside the shaft. Mm -hmm. Your broadhead is touching the end of the bare cutoff shaft. Inside the carbon jacket, inside the aluminum jacket is a carbon arrow that's made of a bazillion fibers. I think I sent you the pictures of those exploded full metal jackets, didn't I? Oh, yeah. The ones yeah. that look like a flower because the broadhead's five inches down yeah, the shaft. Yeah, they're just yeah. like... So if the hidden insert slips at all, the air, where's the broadhead going? Back. This is, remember where I started. This is impact, yeah. penetration, effectiveness. You've lost all structural integrity. Yeah. The, the shaft goes like this and starts to catch things, and it's going to stop. Mm -hmm. We also gave up aluminum a long time ago because they get micro bins and things like that that will throw your arrows wonky. But... The real reason is you want to put a big, heavy bullet on the front of a very light tail. So you do not want a heavy arrow shaft. You want a normal weight arrow shaft. 
and you want to front load it. You want the point to pull the arrow. So when you do one of these systems and you get around 17, 18% FOC, you start to see the accuracy improve and the arrow fly improve because the point is pulling the fletchings. In a traditional system, much like hitting a nail with a hammer, when you hit a nail a little wonky, it goes sideways. Mm -hmm. When you're pushing the broadhead with a heavy mass object and it gets a little bit of deflection, just hits a rib, nothing square on any animal. What's that game? What's the little game that all the kids play where everything's square? Minecraft. Mm -hmm. It's not a Minecraft animal. I don't think kids are playing that anymore. But oh, whatever. Well, <laughs> so anyway, everything in that thing's square. There's nothing square in the deer. Everything's yeah. a rhomboid or a radius or curved. Yeah. So let's just say your arrow goes in like this and hits something, even with a fixed blade, and just that. Mm -hmm. The back of the arrow goes like this and goes like that. Whereas if you have in this much space, 300 grains, it's pulling. The mm -hmm. same thing could occur, yeah. but it's pulling the tail. Yeah, You have this high mass object in this much space that's pushing. Uh, we, one of the guys on the Ashby Foundation, when he was trying to do heavy arrows, did a full metal jacket and loaded the front. Shot like 250 spines. It was a humongous balanced arrow. That was only like 10% FOC. And he shot an Impala and hit the shoulder blade and a broad head broke off and went through the Impala and hit the dirt. The shaft was sticking out 10, 20 inches. That's crazy. That, that's I mean, crazy. on the video, it's awesome because you see the arrow stop and then you see dust. You're like, what the hell is that? And <laughs> the bullet on jacket broke off and the broadhead just kept going. Yeah. So 200 grand single belt. Yeah. So you're, you're saying if a guy walks into a shop, here's, here, they, they hear this podcast, walk into the shop, they should not be concerned about GPI. They should be concerned about spine, 250, 300, right? They should get a sniffer arrow, a normal carbon arrow, and then load the front. We talked about that. So you can go get a normal arrow, gold tip, you yeah. get a Sirius, follow, you can get Eastern Axis, whatever's in the shop. I don't care about that. Put a stock insert in there. Mm -hmm. Do not get the hit if you get the Axis. We already discussed that. Yes. <laughs> and then do not get the hit on anything. The worst. I mean, unless you're shooting 3D and it's still terrible. And so, and then go to three rivers or ethics archery and get a set of heavy field points and go through the process we discussed earlier, mm -hmm. which is just shooting with a stock insert and much heavier mass points and work through the progression. Yeah. And then you'll eventually decide what broadhead you want to shoot and then back into the inserts. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually a big fan of stock inserts and just heavier broadheads because well, but that tough is a beast. It's not going to, it's not going to push back on the insert. Yeah. I got a 600 grain Bishop on a stock insert on a 250 spine arrow. It weighed like 980. And the pig I shot had a bad freaking day. It didn't stop. I bet that arrow was going like 185 off a of compound. <laughs> I know. It was a little critical on drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know with it, Getting into the um, broadheads, like the the heavier ones, I I just bought a, a pack of three hundred VPAs, and those are great. Pulled yeah. pulled it out of the package and did your cardboard test, and man, that thing just right out of the package just 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 yep. was awesome. But you but you but you can just look at the blades and go, man, that's a heavy blade, like it's right. it's like and 
and even I know you got um, some VPAs and, and you got a tough yeah. head and I got VPAs and cutthroats. Cutthroats, cutthroats. But um, just just the how heavy and sturdy the blades look. It's, well, it's, they're monolith. They're monolithic, right? They run them through a CNC machine. Yes. So it's beef of stock steel. It's all the same steel. Yeah. There's no parts moving around. It can't break. Yeah. They don't break. Yeah. I I, I tell Wojo at tough head. I said you got to put some flappers on there or something. The damn things don't break. Like we got to get some, we got to get some some things to break so we can increase your sales. Like that's the way to do it, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> I said, a tough edge, you're done, right? I yeah. just, I can't break them. I'll try. And a lot <laughs> of these, a lot of these companies are giving lifetime warranties as well, mm-hmm. yeah. like saying if it breaks, send it to us. You know, that's that's yeah. what I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of these companies. I do. don't know that that's a. I think that's a. I don't know that they're trying to. Uh, say that their stuff's no good. I don't know how you're taking that, and I'm not accusing you of anything. I think they realize that they make 80,000 of them at a time, and some days the machine's a little wonky. Mm-hmm. And for you people out there who think that's unacceptable, get a job running a CNC machine to make 80,000 broadheads. Just mm-hmm. shut up. Yeah. Right? I mean, just shut your face, yeah. because it's a hard thing to build broadheads yeah. Make sure they're straight. Make sure that they spin straight. But they do spin tests on them and stuff. They spend so much money trying to make sure that that broadhead comes out so that anybody on earth can just screw it on and at least it'll be straight. They can't fix you not being able to shoot and your arrows aren't tuned. They can't, we can't fix that. But the I, lifetime warning thing is, I think, I think, like I said, I if I was running one of those shops, I would offer a lifetime warning in case just one day, right? I mean, yeah. something gets off. Your, the, the blades aren't sharp. I don't know how those machines work, but something's get. Uh, occasionally, I bet they get a little sideways. I bet they got boxes of them that are just trash. Yeah. Well, you've got when you think about it. There, I, I, I was saying it because I think it's a great thing. I do. And too. here's why. You, let's take Bishop for example. Let's take a Bishop Holy Trinity, right? One hundred twenty dollars. Um, I mean, you're looking at a a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that may be a bad example. I don't know if they have a lifetime warranty. Um. But iron will does iron, yeah. so iron, iron will, will. iron will a yep. hundred bucks uh and guys are gonna be like well crap i can buy my rage it's for forty dollars well yes you can but the moment you shoot that rage done you're done and you're gonna go spend another forty four dollars on on rage broadhead so at the end of the day you're still spending the same amount of money yeah. but you're gonna keep yeah. spending that so you know i think uh, i've had to learn that like it is an initial investment and then <laughs> but after that investment you're good. Yeah. Like you're yeah. VPAs and tough heads aren't that expensive. No, no. Tough heads are what sixty bucks or whatever. Yeah, in VPA. I think it was like fifty five for my three hundred grains. Right. And it's cheaper for you know um, mm-hmm. lower. Troy, one of, one of the things I did want to ask is that okay, I I have my VPAs in. Do you shoot every broadhead with on on your arrows, or do you just take one broadhead as like your practice? I've at, got one, I've got one that's just to the side. Okay. So so and you. Then, so you're trusting. I don't do that. You're trusting that the the company that you bought from is is they're going to be the exact same. That I spin every one of them. Okay. So I'm I'm actually I'm I'm more anal than that. When I build a set of arrows, my hunting arrows never get shot. Okay. Never. That's that's why you have the numbers one two three four. Yeah. Right. So I will find the ones you won't when you insert tune. Not everyone's going to insert tune. But if it's got a little wobble, it'll shoot a field point. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. It's just a mass. They make those things a million miles at a time. Once again, back to the CNC machine kind of idea, yeah. right? They're not all perfect. Right. So that's why you find the best 
when you insert tune, you do the best you can with six. And three of them are absolutely perfectly plumb. And when you knock tune them, they're perfect. I screw broad heads on, spin them, and I set them aside. I do not shoot hunting head, hunting arrows. Okay. But there's only four or five of them. Yeah. I have four dozen. Because <laughs> I test stuff and I cut them off and do all kind of stupid stuff nobody wants to think about trying to figure it out. So um, the, the, the best of the best of the best in this 30-minute process sit aside. And they go hunting. That's they, it. They go straight in the quiver, uh, you, and that's that's it. Okay. That's it. I put them in a, I've got two arrow boxes. I put them in an arrow box. I know that those are my hunting arrows. They that's all they do. And that's all they that's all they do. I break about half the arrows I shoot at pigs because I'm where I shoot them. Mm -hmm. And they're short. I shoot a lot of elevated shots, and they tend to they'll pass through and stick in the dirt, and and they'll take the arrow and break them off mm -hmm. because they literally have legs this long. Yeah. Right. So you, it, it doesn't look like I get a lot of passes on some of my videos because it's in the dirt mm -hmm. and they run off with it or whatever. But, and I also aim for the, I try to break the offside shoulder right. every time. But you do but, have one broadhead that's <laughs> on, it, you, 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 you have one broadhead that's on a practice arrow, right? Yeah, I've got that. I've got at the, at the, at the test lab and here I've got some stingers and some hornets that have been shot mm -hmm. and they're dull. They're straight, but they're dull. Yep. They're just on the show. Gotcha. And I always, I have eight man broadheads now. People send them to me all the time. It's just unbelievable. It's a stupid box I've got full of stuff. So I can pull out pretty much anything and give you one test head. And that's that. Mm -hmm. The reason why people are concerned about this is because you've never had fixed blade broadheads fly because you haven't wasted any time making your arrows fly. Right. So you think that you can, and that used to be why people numbered their arrows. I do it because if I get a, when I'm shooting them flesh, if one of them's weird, then I want it out. Mm -hmm. It could be soft in the middle. Something, something could go on. I mean, it's a mass production process, mm -hmm. right? They're not trying to make them, they're trying to make them as cheap as they can. Right. And you, know, you would too if you own the shop. Right. So they're going to make a couple of mistakes or the product's not going to be right one day or something. Right. So yeah, I just have one that I shoot for practice and it never goes hunting. I can sharpen them, but I just, I've got my hunting heads and, then I've got one toy around with it. You can, if you can sharpen, um, then you're fine. That's one of the cool things about tough heads and VPAs and cutthroats and all that. You shoot, you can shoot all of them. If you can't sharpen, don't go out there. Buy another product. Don't go. Don't have go. I said that? Have I said that yet today? Couple times. Couple Maybe. times. Uh, question. All right. This and this is going to be the this is going to be the end. I think. Um, okay. And this is what I have seen people and I've struggled with. A lot of people that I have talked to have struggled with this at some point in time. All right. You paper tuned, you've knock tuned, you've insert tuned, you've bare shaft tuned, you've done all of the things, and you get that thing. I mean, it's doing great. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's very little variation in straightness when it hits the target at 30 yards, bare shaft. I mean, mm -hmm. and you found you found that. You put fletchings on it, you shoot that, it's still just driving tags on your perfect arrow. I mean, it's flying perfect. You throw a broadhead on, all of a sudden, you've got problems. Not much. I've not, I've not solved that one. Do you hear that a lot? No. Not a lot. So it's... Most of the time, what happens to people is... They fletch, and their fletchings are in a position that they make contact with the cables. 
that's I mean that's that's what has happened. That I don't get this. A lot. I honestly don't have a lot of people who have trouble. Really? Once okay. if they really do everything, I can. I've done. I've answered enough messages now. I can tell when the guys are lying to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I rat their ass out. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty blunt on email when people are asking me to fix their stuff, and then they're just going round and round in circles. Yeah. I just you didn't do everything. What didn't you do? So. But the most common thing that people do is, and I've got a this is on my channel as well, is how to fletch after you've not tuned. The most common thing, I had a guy from Australia send me a video and he goes, this ranch fair guy's not such a dumbass. I fletched my arrows and I were flying crazy with broadheads and I happened to watch this video and I looked down and my, every one of them was, was fletched in a position that the veins were hitting the cables. Right as it comes off the string, <laughs> it's just a touch. It's just touching it. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there in in that same on that same note is there something that you see people uh, like in the and, and when I I need to back up when I say this I have I have now found multiple issues that I'm that I've de- dealt with I have dealt with most you of have them. a bow that's not right you got to stop on that you got to tell everybody that who has the bow that's crazy you uh so yeah so that's what I was gonna say. I've got some, <laughs> that's what I was, that's I'll, what I was I'll getting at. you out on email, man. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, there's things on here on, on my bow specifically where to get the perfect, I mean, I'm shooting the, the bear shafts correct. I mean, every, I'm following all the steps and the things are right. We're, we're getting them. I'm shooting the bullet holes. I mean, it's lining up, but when I'm looking in like centering the bow, it doesn't seem, things seem weird, right? It seems off-centered. I've heard you say multiple times, like, if something seems weird or seems off or not normal, just get over it. If that's the way that your bow wants to shoot, then get over it. it well, I, I, need to, I need to do a better job with that. So if you're not running it down the middle, if, it's, <clears throat> if the rest is kind of in a wacky position, way to one side, you got a bow issue. Or you have a spine issue. That's what I've been able to find out. I'm still learning. Yeah, it's one of the things I've posted a few videos, and I've had people say, "See, you didn't cover that." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I don't know everything right now. <laughs> I'm only as smart as I am in the conversation we had behind us. Everything I believe, in. but I'm progressively learning. Yeah, about these. That's how I've learned about the torque sensitive bows. Yeah. I said, I said, I, average Jack, Nate Sellers did a great video. I, I, I called him one day. And I said, can you do a torque video? Because I hate that stuff. I hate bows. They suck. And he said, sure. So he showed a bear shaft with a good grip. He intentionally torqued it one way or the other and made the bear shaft fly sideways four or five inches. Yeah, that was me. And I constantly send that to people. And they say, wow, I tried that. It worked. So I'll get better. How's that? Yeah. But I well, haven't was... had very many people with the kind of issue you and I talked about yesterday. That's yeah. really unusual. Yeah. And then I, I'm still pondering it to this day. I wish I knew more about bows. That's where I start to fall off, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, and I'll admit that, they bore me to death. If it doesn't shoot, I sell it. I'm buying another one. And so that's my, <laughs> that's my golden rule. But sure. I have not had many people who really went through the whole thing. I've had people who tried to make, who say, I don't have a lot of money. I'm trying to make the 340 work. 
I say, don't go over 150 grains and they push it. Mm -hmm. And they go ahead and buy 200 grain broadheads anyway. Yeah. And then they say it doesn't fly. I say, yeah, I know. That's an arrow that will tune with a hundred grain point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It will, it will bear shaft with a hundred grain point. I got that. Yeah. It won't with 225. Yeah. But then you're struggling with, then, then you, I mean, yeah, that's great that it bears shafts. You're trying to get a bear shaft tune with a heavy mm -hmm. front end to, to <laughs> right, get so max, maximum penetration. That's, that's, that's where we're at. This, right. You can get a 400 spot arrow on a 65 pound boat with an 85 grain head. To, it'll be, it'll be tweaky as hell. It'll be like a, you know, like a chimpanzee on barbiturates, but nonetheless, you can get it to bear shaft. Yeah. yeah. It just won't be, it won't behave. It'll do what it wants occasionally, and then it'll really show your form. You've got to be really good to make that work. And a 340 up to 70 pounds, I've done it. It'll work. But if you're loading the front, you got to spine up, mm -hmm. or it's going to go banana, and it's going to drive you insane. Yeah. So I think also, too, really one, one of the things, Troy, you encouraged me with, <laughs> and your usual blunt self, was when I got out in the garage, I, I must have shot, I, like I said, I got, this, I got six arrows, five points and I must've shot literally over 150 times and, mm -hmm. and I was not tuning everything and every single one was hitting the exact same way. And I actually sent you a message on Facebook school about you. Yep. You, you actually re reply to stuff and you're yep. like, um, so you asked me some questions and then you, you just simply said, well, you're also human too. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Yeah. And so right. what, what I did was I simply just, and me and Parker talked about it. I just took my grip, that was like this, and I just brought it in just to see. And man, it was like night and day. It was like all of a sudden it it just went from this, which wasn't bad. I mean, I could explain what you're saying because there's some people listening. Some, to it there, not, there are some people listening that I was I was I was doing this, went and dove off into this whole 700 grain arrow build thing, was shooting knock left in my garage, which was only about seven to ten yards. Okay, was shooting knock left, was not bad knock left, and. Yeah, right. uh, and was doing what Troy had said, was not tuning, doing all this stuff. And man, every single arrow at every single weight was doing that. I even took a, a fletching and I put it on there and, and, it, and, it, and it went right. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get a, a really good bear shaft first. So then I just simply um, um, did the opposite of what I was doing grip-wise. So I was gripping, uh, trying to push in the bow. I switched it and tried to actually push towards my hand, if that makes sense. So if you're watching, you can see it. Yeah, you pulled the tail in line. Yes, and then yeah. as soon as I did that, it was like, boom, boom, right, boom. So you're just gonna have you. Okay, so this is I was making fun of people shooting reps and stuff. You're gonna you need to learn that mm -hmm. because, well, there's a couple things there. You, I would encourage you to learn that. I would encourage you to shoot bear shafts mm -hmm. to learn that. Yeah. Don't shoot flats or you'll never see it. Mm -hmm. But um, fletchings will correct that. Right. So when you're in the woods, I don't think about the grip. It's like trying to swing a golf club and thinking about turning your knee and right, the left right. arm straight and right. pucker your ass. And God forbid the Titleist is looking at me and you just hit it 30 feet, right? Yeah. So I would, if, if you have a grip torque sensitive bow, I would shoot bear shafts through paper a lot to help you be punished mm -hmm. when you do things wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also immediate feedback. Right, it's a meat side being hit with a stick. It's a right there looking yeah. at you like, oh, you're dumbass, rip, duh. Yeah, and it, it, it was funny because mm -hmm. I must have shot 150 times with my old yep. form, and, and I, mean, <laughs> I could do it, no problem. But I swapped my form, and 20, 20 shots in, 
my whole shoulder was fatigued because it was not used to that. Yeah. It was not yeah. used to that grip. It was, it was crazy. Absolutely right. crazy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Bows it like that, and they just—that's the way it is. You have to learn that. Yeah. So, Troy, I'm uh, or Mr. Ferry. Uh, Mr. Ferry. Mr. Ferry. Thank you. Uh, so, um, we're getting—I mean, we're up here close to an hour and a half. I know you got stuff you got to get done, and uh, and man, I just wanted to say thank you man, so much man, for coming on so the show. Much. Uh, sure. is, is there anything else that we have not covered? that you're like, man, I would be doing a disservice to everybody listening mm -hmm. to this or watching this if I didn't say this. No, you've got to spend time. You, We've already covered it. If you don't spend time working with your arrows and making sure your bow's shooting straight and sharp broadheads, then I've done nothing here. You didn't hear me because you're blocked out because you think 300 feet per second is your deal, and that's fine. I don't care. But it, it really makes a difference. My story is failure. It's not success. Yeah. My, my bow hunting story is that. And it went from zero to hero. And I, and I have a giant family who I get to test this on who don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> I tune their bows. I give them arrows. They're shooting the bishop. They won't know that. Right? They got a, on, their, they got, on their string, they got, a, you know what, let me think about it, about a $200 arrow. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. So I've been able to practically test it like a, like a students yeah and they're just pounding it's been night and day so you know can i be in your, can I be in your family <laughs> can i be in your family i've never shot a, i've never he shot is a from texas I'm he from is from texas. texas i like waterburger uh yeah, you coopers gotta, you gotta shoot the, you gotta shoot my bow you can't shoot that crazy thing you're shooting you no know, wonky willy with the four wheels on it or whatever the hell you got going there hey, dude, it's doing some weird stuff <laughs> doing some weird stuff. It is, and I'm trying to figure this crap out, and I'm like, I just, I'm close. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm close. I'm, it's not like I'm missing deer and getting wonky arrow flight. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm good. But it's, I feel like with the amount of time that I've, anyway, we can talk about it later. But, uh, um, man, again, super appreciate everything. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes, tell, sir. tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out more about Ranch Ferry. Just go to Google and type in two words, Ranchberry. You'll you won't miss me. There's not a lot of There's not a lot of competition for the Ranchberry. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm That's... in a pretty good spot. So <laughs> you won't awesome. forget. No, it really works. So thanks again guys for everything and I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. It's good to spread the word. All right, thank you so much, Mr. Ranch Ferry, for coming on the show. I'm, uh, I'm very grateful for it. It's been a great time. And uh, if you guys are listening to this, that is awesome. But this is a really good episode to go back and watch on YouTube. It's actually going to be on YouTube. If you listen to this right when it comes out, um, which is Monday, August the uh, 10th. Um, by the way, also, if you did not know this, our episodes are starting on Mondays from now on. We're going to be on Monday morning. You will be able to wake up and listen to Southern Ground Hunting Podcast as soon as you wake up which is a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, so if you did not know that, that's going to be from here on out. Monday mornings um, will be right here, either on the Sportsman's Nation Whitetail feed or um, on the Southern Ground feed, the standalone feed. So uh, I don't remember where I was where I was at, where I was going with that. Um, oh, we also put these podcasts on YouTube. 
Um, and this is one of those ones that will be really good to go back and watch um, and watch some of the a lot of the things that we were talking about. Troy, um, Mr. Ranch, he uh, kind of, I guess, visual gives like a visual explanation with his hands. And so um, be a good one to do that. So, yeah, that's the Southern Ground YouTube channel. Again, we uh, we just recently gave away a tethered phantom through the YouTube channel. Make sure you go subscribe to that. We will be doing more giveaways in the near future on YouTube. And uh, I would really appreciate it if you guys would check that out. Check out the channel. Check out the, the videos that we got up right there. Um, I'm working on putting a lot of the older content on the YouTube channel as well. And uh, stuff that from the last several years of filming my hunts and kayak hunts and saddle hunts and stuff like that. So um, I'm trying to get that up there as soon as possible before the season starts here i'll be i'll be hunting at the end of this month the end of august i'll be deer hunting so i'm trying to get all my old stuff up before then and uh it has been very difficult but it's doable and then obviously once the season kicks in we're gonna have new content rolling hopefully weekly and uh yeah i'd love it if you guys would go check that out subscribe to the southern ground um southern ground hunting channel on youtube um, other than that guys i don't have anything else thank you guys so much for listening thanks for checking it out and, uh, yeah, you guys stay safe. If you're going to be in the woods, remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.